Welcome to I Wish They Knew, a show where leaders in business and education share big ideas that deserve more attention in about the time it takes to enjoy a cup of coffee. I'm Joe Hirsch. Today's wish comes from Carmine Gallo. Carmine is a popular keynote speaker, instructor at Harvard's Graduate School of Design, and a CEO communication coach. He's a senior contributor for Forbes, Inc., Harvard Business Review, and Business Insider, and is the best-selling author of 10 books that have been translated into more than 40 languages. His latest is The Bezos Blueprint, Communication Secrets of the World's Greatest Salesman. Carmine, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks, Joe. And congratulations on creating a podcast that's under an hour. What a concept. <laughs> what a concept. Who's got time for an hour show? <laughs> you know that TED Talks, you, I know you know this, TED Talks are have a limit of 18 minutes. So, so no matter who you are, uh, the most famous people in the world, you only get 18 minutes because 18 minutes is a good amount of time to have a conversation and not put people asleep. So I, I'm not sure why these podcasts have stretched into an hour and 15 minutes. Uh, I, I think I, I like your approach to podcasting. I appreciate that. And and my TED Talk had to be completed in under nine minutes. So <laughs> I appreciate the value of time uh, and you appreciate the value of simplicity. So tell me what you wish more people knew. I wish people understood that sharpening their public speaking, presentation, and communication skills will set them apart. They will go further in their careers than they've ever imagined. They will stand out, get ahead, achieve greatness by improving on a skill that anyone can sharpen. And that's public speaking, writing, storytelling, and communication in all its forms. One of the things you did in the book was take a look at all the shareholder letter letters that Jeff Bezos wrote over the course of two decades. And you found that over time, the average sentence in those letters contained no more than 16 words, which put them at about an eighth grade reading level. In your explanation of why this was so effective, you quoted a neuroscientist who said this, our brains are not made to think. <laughs> mm -hmm. Come again? <laughs> <laughs> oh, of course. Lisa Feldman Barrett uh, is her name. And she's written uh, several psychology books. Uh, some of them are in my on my bookshelf. Uh, some are pretty thick, pretty dense. But her point in one of the last uh, latest books she read, she wrote, I think it was more of a pop book, you know, so it was much more um, approachable to the average person. Uh, seven and a half lessons about the brain. I think that was a very famous book. Uh, but she made the point that your three-pound brain, its its primary function is to conserve energy. So when you are thinking too much, this is why we get fatigued. You get fatigued when you're uh, on long Zoom inter uh, calls, when you are uh, focused for hours on a particular task, your brain gets fatigued. Your brain is tired. So my whole point is when it comes to communication, don't add to what's called that cognitive load that people have. And that, again, is a neuroscientific term. Don't add to the load. Be counterintuitive. Uh, simplify. Don't complexify. Don't make things more complicated than they need to be because your listeners, your readers are already overloaded with information and their brain is exhausted. 
make it simple for them and they'll you'll keep their brain happy and a happy brain is more likely to support your idea or to buy your product keep the brain happy that's what i learned from lisa feldman barrett <laughs> so clear and concise communication that's the advantage and it's hard the, it's harder it's hard. To, easier easier to say than done yeah. which is why i read a whole book on it yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yes. And, and hopefully at an eighth grade reading level as well. One of those things that, uh, that Bezos did famously was to, was to ban PowerPoint presentations when his senior executives, his S team, as they're called there, got together and shared ideas. And instead they did something called the six pager. What is that? And why was it effective? Let's go back to 2004 and set the scene for you. Uh, Jeff Bezos famously, like you said, banned PowerPoint at senior level meetings in 2004. I spoke to the gentleman who had to send out the email on behalf of Jeff to senior executives, telling them that in the very next week, the very next meeting, they would not be able to present or pitch their ideas in PowerPoint. They had to write what Jeff called a, at that time was a four pager. And then it expanded to a six-page memo. And the point being was that Jeff Bezos said, and he was absolutely right from a scientific perspective, that PowerPoint is not the best decision-making tool. Because it's just, at that time, most people, and I think today, still create PowerPoints that are just text and bullet points. There's no transitions in between. There's no way of seeing how one leads to another. Whereas the the written word, as Jeff said, written word, nouns, sentences, verbs, paragraphs with transitions in between. It's more natural. It's easier to understand. So write it in what he called narrative form. No PowerPoint. Write your idea in narrative form. Engineers pushed back on the gentleman I interviewed for the book and said, but I'm not a writer. Well, become one was the response from up above. Become one because this is going to be critical to moving forward. To this day, Joe, to this day, every major initiative or project that you hear from Amazon, and they usually make a big splash around it, whether it's uh, something in cloud computing from AWS, or whether it's a um, new prescription delivery service that they announced recently, everything goes through the same process. The idea has to be presented to a group in written form. They call them six pagers, but you can do this, this you can use the same tactic in one or two pages as well. And I know a lot of startups in Silicon Valley, they do uh, one or two pagers and that's perfectly fine. The point is when you pitch an idea, it shows more discipline, more thought, and you really have to think it through if you write it in terms of a narrative structure rather than just putting random bullets on a PowerPoint slide. Yeah, it forces you to get clear on, on your idea and how you want others to understand that idea as well. And clarity is a word that I heard consistently from interviewing a number of uh, former Amazon executives who would work with uh, Jeff Bezos. That's the point. It's a decision-making tool that forces clarity. It, they call it a forcing mechanism, and it forces clarity. But I'll tell you something, Joe. The reason why I, I wrote a book on Jeff Bezos, remember, I've written books on how to give a TED Talk. 
TED Talks are uh, very popular. People who see TED speakers. I wrote a book on Steve Jobs, who was considered one of the great corporate presenters. And we saw uh, those awe-inspiring presentations that Steve Jobs did. Why Jeff Bezos? Because he's not, he's a little under the radar. He's not exactly, you know, on on um social media every day. He's not giving these big public product launches every day like like Steve Jobs did. The reason why is going back to that banning of PowerPoint. Because when I heard that for the first time and he wrote it and he revealed it in one of his letters, I thought to myself, this guy is good. There is something intentional about the way he's looking at communication. And when I started interviewing former executives from Amazon who have went on to start their own companies, when I asked them, what did you learn from Jeff Bezos to a person? It always came back to one of the communication strategies that I outlined in the Bezos blueprint. That's why I wrote the book on Jeff Bezos. You call the most successful CEOs, like like Jeff, repeaters in chief. Mm. Tell us more about that. Someone has to be the keeper of the mission. As you know, we're all many people these days are purpose driven. You hear that a lot about corporate America, uh, purpose-driven organizations. What is the, the company's mission? Well, there has to be a North Star. Uh, there has to be a, a bigger vision that everybody is rallying toward. That way you keep all the teams aligned, especially as the organization grows. From the beginning, from the very first shareholder letter in 1997, Jeff Bezos said, our intention at Amazon, which remember was just a startup, selling books online, our intention is to be Earth's most customer-centric company. So the vision, the mission of Amazon was not to be the biggest seller of books online. It was to be the world's most customer-centric company. That line, that was 1997, 2022, go to the Amazon website today. What's the mission? Earth's okay. most customer-centric company. So what I did is I looked at all of the shareholder letters, like you mentioned, over 20 plus years. And I looked at and evaluated all of the uh, most of the public interviews and presentations that Jeff Bezos had done over those years. Earth's most customer center company comes back time and time and time again. I don't think he ever got through an interview or a conversation without bringing it back to how is what we're doing today or this new product that we're launching reinforcing the mission that we're Earth's most customer-centric company? So when Andy Jassy, who is the now the CEO of Amazon, Jeff Bezos stepped down, he's chairman of the board. But when Andy Jassy gave his first televised interview, I watched it carefully. Many of the words that he used and the philosophy that he articulated were directly taken from Jeff Bezos. The same words and the same philosophy and the same mission Bezos had articulated in 1997. That's the point, Joe. Someone has to be the repeater in chief. If you have a mission that you want everyone to rally around, you as the leader, as the visionary, have to be not just the CEO, but the storyteller in chief. Someone has to be the keeper of the story and the repeater in chief. Someone has to remind everyone of the mission each and every day in everything you do.
So it's not just a matter of clarity or even frequency or intensity of the message, but it's also about the way that message is presented overall. And we were talking offline about uh, a great a great assist you gave a CEO on humanizing data mm. um, in terms of how to present ideas and numbers that count. Yeah. Tell us more about that. Most of the uh, organizations that I work with and uh, many of the CEOs, they're, they're all running big data-driven companies, cloud computing like AWS uh, or many other high-tech companies. They've got a lot of data and we all know the problem with data. It's, it's a data dump. We put but as it's almost th this weird thing that people can't get out of, they have to put as much data on the screen as possible. Well, that's just adding to that cognitive load, that bombardment of information that people are sick of, that are, is making their brains tired. Why not strip it away to its essence and look at that, that data point that's the most salient and build a story around it? It's so much more engaging, so much more interesting. So you brought up one of many examples that I use, but one example was a I was working with a uh, a vice president of a very large global consumer company, a company that every one of your listeners knows and probably consumes their products every day in one way or another. Very large company. He was giving a like a town hall. Uh, and this was his time to shine because he had the stage for a while. And he had a little throwaway line at the end of one of our uh, behind the scenes conversations. And the line was, oh, you know, Carmine, we're really into sustainability here in the country I manage. He was a country president. And he said that, we, you know, we've planted like 2000 trees, something like that. 2000 trees. I said, oh, OK, well, that's that, that that's interesting. Uh, it doesn't sound like a, a lot. I I don't know. It sounds like a lot. I can't really tell. It's just a number. And he goes, oh, oh no, th this is like a big initiative on our on our part. And we're doing better than most of the other country uh, divisions. Oh, well, why don't we build a whole story around it? And so we realized that the presentation was going to be held in New York City. Central Park was right outside of the, the window. So we decided to do a little back of the envelope cap calculation, how many uh, trees are in Central Park. So how many trees are you planting uh, per month? And it's the equivalent of whatever it was, 18 Central Parks. You know, so he, he asked the audience, okay, now look outside. We planted the equivalent of 18 of those parks, like in the last year or whatever it was. Uh, so the point is that you're taking data and you're making it into a story. You're making it visceral. You're making it much more interesting. The book is The Bezos Blueprint, and the author is Carmine Gallo. Carmine, thanks for sharing a simple but powerful message with us today. You're welcome. Thanks, Joe. Thanks for listening. If you like what you heard, please rate and review the show. It helps others find us. For more ideas on how to communicate with impact, visit my website, joehirsch.me. See you next time.